0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Lax Factor. Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching the 118th episode of the Lax Factor podcast. Today, we're going to talk about some transfer news. We're going to talk about the PLL reversible pennies that came out that angered some people. And I have a couple of news items uh, from uh, Inside Lacrosse articles and Lacrosse bucket articles that I wanted to talk about as well. So we'll get into talking about Princeton post Michael Sowers. We're going to talk about, is Penn State still the team to beat in the big? There's a bunch of stuff we're going to go through. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you're notified when we put out videos. If you'd like to support the channel, you could go to laxfactor.com, get yourself some swag, hats, t-shirts, coffee mugs, whatever. And if you'd like to listen only, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor or anywhere else that you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, you name it. Uh, So let's get into it. First thing I wanted to talk about today, the PLL pennies, the die sublimated reversible pennies that were highly anticipated. People were really excited about them. They dropped this week and it angered a boatload of people. At one point, I was scanning the PLL's Facebook post comments uh, section because I pretty much the comments are the best part of any social media post. And I went in and looked at the comments and it was... Just they were being universally panned for their pricing strategy. They came out with an eighty dollar price tag. I think most fans uh are used to paying somewhere in the area of let's say twenty to fifty for one of those custom die sublimated reversible pennies if they were to purchase it for their kid let's say in his summer league team or even his even for his team's just regular practice reversible so <sighs> Twenty bucks would be a a really good price for a team order for just the reversible, especially die sublimated, and you know probably the industry standard is somewhere between thirty to fifty, depending on who you're getting it from. So for these to come out with an eighty-dollar price tag, it was I I understood why people would be upset, and I was more just kind of like, whoa, eighty bucks. Now I get it. If you compare them to other pro, you know, pro leagues, you know, selling a jersey of this sort, and this is probably a much higher quality jersey let's say like a kind of tank top than you're going to get if you're to buy an NBA jersey let's say because it's reversible it's dye sublimated I mean you're going to be able to wear two different sides it's well designed all aspects of this scream quality it's made by Adidas so they are high quality garments I would presume the kicker is is the lacrosse community has never been one uh, to get gouged. We're not, we get gouged by equipment manufacturers, that's for sure. But we haven't been gouged by teams too badly because there hasn't been a huge opportunities within the pro sports arena. Uh, we haven't had this huge opportunity to get gouged for merchandise yet. And I know a lot of people that bought a lot of the early first-run PLL gear had problems. They said they didn't fit. I guess some of the hats were totally crap. And uh, there was some issues with some of the first runs, and a lot of people say, hey, we've already kind of overpaid willingly for some gear that we're not necessarily pleased with, and now these reversible pennies come out, and they are priced 80 bucks. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I get it. They're trying to make a buck. They're trying to make a buck you know, intelligently, you know, work smarter, not harder. So pricing these at a point with which you think, okay, there might, people are going to grumble, like probably the name of the game is, we need to price these at an area where people are going to grumble, but enough people are going to buy them that we're going to make that cheddar and we won't have to process as many orders to make the same amount of cheddar. I think a price point that they could have put these at that would not have angered people would have been 50 bucks and I think people would have been like giddy up baby bunch of people would have bought two of them. Uh, I think 60 bucks would have still been pretty reasonable. I think even getting into 65, you know, it's that extra 15 jumping that right up to 80 bucks that I think is stinging people a little bit. But they're a business. You got to do what you got to do, and maybe they'll adjust it. Maybe the next ones that come out won't be quite that high. Maybe they'll end up coming out with two versions, one not reversible maybe, where you still get the quality of that one design, uh, but it's not reversible, so the price point might be a little bit more appetizing. They'll, they'll figure it out. I think this was a little bit of a miss, though. I think uh, a lot of the comments were saying, who the hell is doing your?" Um, marketing testing and you know who are you um interviewing and who are you talking to to come up with this price because a lot of fans were really upset and that's something you don't want to see when social media is your jam and you're the you're the league that does it better than everybody else. The one thing you don't want to see is every comment panning you for the decision that you made or for whatever promotion you're running. And that was the case. There was, let, let's say for every 10 negative comments, and I mean, they were pretty negative. There may have been one or two people saying, hey, I'll still get one. They're business. Stop your whining. And like I said before, the lacrosse community is extremely sensitive and a little bit pansy So the whining I wasn't surprised about, and I actually understood it For once where I don't always understand what The lacrosse community is whining about I understood It totally I was with them but I Also understand it as a business owner myself I understand it from the the PLL's perspective In terms of we gotta we gotta make a buck We have to make a buck in a way that Doesn't require we ship a thousand of these To turn a profit you know if we only ship 500 at the $80 price point They're gonna make as much as if if They shipped a thousand of them at the $50 Price point I think that My biggest gripe if I were involved In this decision making process becomes it's early these things were hotly anticipated and I feel like one of the big things they could have done especially as a as a a league growing is lower the price point get more people wearing these things because they were sweet the designs on them were incredible get as many people out there wearing them as you possibly can and that's a good marketing move. You may not make as much off the sale of the items, or maybe you do end up making as much. You just do a little bit more work uh, to 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 turn the same profit in the sense of of if the the lower the price point, the more you have to sell to make a profit. Um, so that that would have maybe been a little bit less or maybe about the same just with more work. But I think the marketing benefit, the benefit of getting those jerseys out and getting them on the people probably would have outweighed that issue. I think another issue with maybe pricing them that way initially was that, They do that this year. You're going to expect it next year. So at some point, they were going to end up jacking these up. So i get it if i was uh, the owner of a pro franchise that is a, exactly the price point i would want them to be at but it was very evident that they missed it with the fans and the fans overall were fairly upset now i say that i i always complain about people trying to gauge an entire community's feelings based off social media reaction which is terrible because social media is primarily driven by narcissist whiny, whiny little crybabies but uh in this case you know seemed pretty legit people were pretty upset Man, I rambled about that for a long time. Let's get on to our other news here, uh, uh, transfer news. Virginia Attackman, Peyton Cormier enters the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, this was an article in Inside Lacrosse that I had come across. Uh, Tiffany's hoping he stays. Uh, I know everyone at Virginia is hoping he stays. He's a talent. Uh, and When he came out of high school, 26th overall recruit in his class, number six Attackman, but I know that the Virginia fans, uh, via like the fan lax boards and everything, were really high on this kid. They thought he was going to be able to find a way to contribute and to do so young. Uh, spent his freshman year injured, um, but he was having a—and that was in 2019, he sat out with an injury. But in 2020, he was having a nice— season leading up to the COVID uh, canceling everything, the Rona ruining our fun. He had three goals in his first collegiate game. That's pretty awesome. Five points, four goals, and one assist versus high point in Virginia's close win over high point. Uh, He was number 18 in the nation in terms of shooting percentage. He had a 50% shooting percentage. That's pretty good. So the kid was playing ball, and like I said, it's not for sure that he's leaving Virginia at this stage. Tiffany's still hoping he stays, but it's being reported that he's entered the portal and he's at least shopping around here. Another notable that I didn't actually know was in the transfer portal was uh, Jonathan Donville uh, out of Cornell uh 35 points as a freshman, 34 points as a sophomore in the COVID shortened season. Was that was that the COVID shortened season? Did he, did he have 34 points in their first few games of COVID? I can't imagine that he did. So, yeah, I think the last year was his junior season. So, as a freshman 34, uh 35 as a sophomore, 34, and I don't know what he was up to so far in um 2020 but donville if he does end up leaving cornell it's not for sure that he's leaving either if he does end up leave, leaving cornell that will sting for them luckily they kept T, and maybe the fact that T is still rocking the party that rocks the party maybe donville will also stay but uh you know that was just that was interesting news notable news there's a bunch of other guys that are still out there but none as big as those two guys i don't think not at least for what they mean to their teams uh, a new thing that we're going to try to do, or I'm going to try to do, is uh, just kind of find articles that I dig, and then um, push that writer, push that that publication and then just talk about it. It's an easy way to come up with some topics for the uh, for the podcast. Thanks, Bryce. Bryce Queener, uh, uh, PY homie uh, who now uh, has his own podcast and he's been putting that up on YouTube. I had encouraged him to do so when he first started putting stuff up on Facebook. I noticed he was just kind of doing a new a roll of the news and I was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to steal, steal that. I haven't done it to this point where I just talk about a boatload of things and just ramble on incessantly, but I think we're going to the goal here is to get more into live streaming and doing a lot more of that and then use the real organized videos more for team reviews and and things like that so the new stuff we're going to try to get into will probably get to the point where we live stream that put it out do it in an evening and we'll be done but anyway lacrosse bucket first article and you can go to lacrossebucket.com to uh read this if you'd like to and i'll put a link in the description Um, Probably I won't. I always say I'll put a link in the description. I usually don't. So go to lacrossebucket.com and you can see what Tanner's up to. But what he was talking about in this article, what will a post-Sowers Princeton look like? And rough. I mean, if you ask me, I think a post-Sowers Princeton is going to look rough because it's not just Sowers. That they lost. Uh, they lose like so far in 2020 before COVID wrecked us. Sowers was already up to 16 goals, 31 assists, and 47 points. And then they they don't just lose him though. They also lose Philip Robertson to Duke. Also, he he went to Duke with Sowers. He had 13 goals, no helpers. He was a perfect off ball complement to a guy like Mike Sowers. So they lose that. And then the other problem ends up being teams like Cornell. Let's say. They are going. They they retained a couple of their guys, so they're keeping, let's say, Jeff T. So whereas Princeton lost their best player, Yale lost their best player, Uh, and some of these other Ivy League schools have also. Penn, I know, has lost a couple of their best players. Um, Penn lost a few guys, actually, as did uh, Yale. The Yale lost a midfielder too, Kotler, I think. And the problem is going to end up being for Princeton, like with some of these other teams, is that a team like Cornell, they didn't lose their guy. Uh, Jeff T is, is getting to stay. He's getting to play that, that fifth year at Cornell and, uh, Princeton doesn't have that. So not only did Princeton lose their best, you know, a couple of their top guys, but they're also going to have to face the fact that Prince, uh, some of the other teams in the Ivy didn't most notably Cornell had to get a drink. Sorry. So I think it's going to hurt. I think a post-Sowers Princeton looks pretty rough come next year. They're going to be competitive. I'm not saying they're going to drop off the face of the planet Earth, but back down – you know, they were looking like they were going to maybe win eight to ten games in – 2020 and then make the playoffs and see if they can make a run with their twarton their their twarton winner because Sowers would have won the twarton but uh without him and without robertson and then with some of the other teams retaining guys that they couldn't that is going to sting and i think that it's going to make princeton you know probably finish somewhere around 500 maybe even below 500 it's going to take a year or two because they just weren't planning on not having mike Sowers yet and that is the deal now Another Lacrosse Bucket article. Again, go to lacrossebucket.com uh, and then just start comment spamming uh, Tanner, letting him know that you came from here. Uh, let's let's leave an imprint here on the poor guy. Penn State, are they still the team to beat in the big? And I believe Tanner's, yeah, he thinks that they are, and, and he thinks that that's fair because they were the team to beat last year. They should be the team to beat this year. Uh, I don't totally disagree that they're the team to beat based on that logic that that you know you always kind of have to go by what where you finished the end of the the season before to a degree the problem with is penn state the team to beat in the big now is that penn state lost a 100 plus point player amat gone uh running around all over in the PLL doing awesome and uh, the, penn state does not have his services anymore and he was a huge part of that offense if you watched penn state play grant amat was carrying the ball all the time feeding all sorts of people all willy-nilly all over the field and, and the attention that he garnered between him and Mac O'Keefe playing so well together, ended up freeing up some other guys. So it's going to be hard for Penn State, I think, to replace that production. They're not going to be able to replace that production. They just have to totally figure it out again and now figure out a new offensive scheme and how it. what is that going to look like. I mean, Folds, I like what he's going to be able to do here. He's going to be able to get the ball a little bit more, and I like him as a dodger. I like him as a 50-50 threat. But what's that do to O'Keefe's production, not having a guy like Amet? I think I said it... Um, in my 2020 preview before the 2020 season started that actually Amet and Folds or Amet and O'Keefe didn't hook up quite as much as you would have thought considering the number of uh, assists that Amet had Amet really did spread it out quite a bit and O'Keefe was able to leech off of a bunch of different players but once again like I said the, now you're not as many eyeballs are paying attention to Amet so they're going to start paying attention to other guys uh, O'Keefe definitely one of them Folds will be another um, but you know you can't you can't front on them. Still, they they have a lot of talented players, and they've they've got a lot of recruits coming in, and they've got a lot of guys waiting to get their chance to play. So maybe Penn State can find their next Grant Ayman and replace some of that production. Uh, maybe it just to some of the guys like Folds have to step up a little bit more and carry the ball a little bit more and create. But we'll see. But it's definitely puts them in a position where the moral of the story is to me, Maryland is technically the team to beat in the Big. I think I think Maryland is the team to beat in the Big every season until, um, they totally get toppled. You know, one, one season that let's say they don't win the regular season and the, and the tournament does not undo all of the crap that they've done over the last 10 years, uh, especially the Tillman, the Tillman era. So, um, yeah, I think that Maryland's the team to beat to me. I think that Penn state was the year was the team to beat in 2020. And I think Penn state really, they needed to win it all. In 2020, but you lose a, a player. I'm not going to say he's a generational player, but he's certainly a generational talent at Penn State, uh, Amen is. And I think he's probably going to prove himself to be a generational player beyond that. It's funny that we're t- talking generational players after last episode where I was bashing using that term. So I think that you, to pretend that that doesn't bump them below Maryland overall in terms of expectations, at least from the real lacrosse people, I think would be uh, naive and not being totally honest. I think Maryland is the team to beat in the big. All right, I rambled a lot. That's it. I'm going to stop here now. So as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, go to laxfactor.com, get swag, support us, do whatever. And uh, if you want to listen, anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor or anywhere else that you can get podcasts. So that is it. We will be back next week. We're slowly but surely getting to the point where we're going to start live streaming one episode per week and we're going to record and put out another episode i don't know at what point i'm going to be ready to do it i was hoping to live stream tuesday night and then put this out thursday morning but didn't happen so we're trying to get to that point where we're going to get up to two shows per week one of them live streamed one of them recorded and uh i'll let you know as soon as we do get to that point we'll just start throwing crap up seeing what sticks but that's it next week I think we're going to talk about Rutgers. We're going to talk about any other. We're going to do kind of a a more formal team preview for Rutgers. Uh, We will do a, you know, talk a bunch of other news and things like that. And um, uh, maybe we'll talk about the new Girls League. What I did and didn't like about that, that new league that's forming, how it's going to work. So actually, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Girls Across in the next episode, which will be, I think, a first here because I never talk about Girls Across because I don't watch it. And uh, I'm only like marginally, like maybe like this sorry about that. Um, So that's it. Thank you for watching. Hoost is out.